<laughs> well, good morning, everyone. If you couldn't tell, we are in a new series called At the Movies, <laughs> and we've been looking at a different movie each week and drawing out spiritual truths and spiritual themes and how those themes can apply to our lives. And I wonder how many of you saw the movie The Perfect Storm? Oh, quite a few of you. Yeah, it's quite an intense movie. It came out in 2000, uh, and if you saw it, you know that this was a true story about a crew of fishermen who, who set sail out from a harbor near Gloucester, Mass., on September 20th, 1991, to do their fishing. Now, on this particular day, they head out, way out, to the far limits of the North Atlantic, uh, facing some of the roughest seas imaginable in order to catch swordfish. That is their goal, to catch a lot of swordfish. Now, if you've watched this or any movie like this, you understand better why seafood costs so much. <laughs> because this job isn't easy. Uh, it, it sounds great. I'm a fisherman. You know, when the weather's nice, um, when the equipment works, when, when the wind is gentle, when the fish are biting, uh, when, when everything is working and clicking on all eight cylinders. But there are always problems. And the problems that, ari that arise are ridiculous. I mean, if dealing with bad weather isn't enough, then there are issues with broken equipment or a lack of fish or disgruntled crew member or someone going overboard, <laughs> always a problem, uh, or, or just an exhausted captain that can't sleep because of everything that's coming against them. And you know every single year people die trying to accomplish this, this terrifying and, and, and grueling job. But this is what they have chosen. And in this story, the need to find swordfish drives them out 180 miles from shore. It's, it's far away from where safe, many safe harbors are, are located. And so far, far from land, they run head on into a storm. And it's not just a storm. It is the storm of storms. Uh, historically, it is the most unusual storm system. It's happened once uh, historically, um, but it happened to be a unique collision of hurricanes, two, three hurricanes um, that just fueled each other and just grew to in incredible intensity. So hour after grueling hour, uh, they're, they're facing hurricane force winds, 40-foot waves, failing equipment, and, and, and this exhausted crew begins to wonder if they are going to survive. As I watch this movie, I think to myself, guys, why do this? <laughs> why put yourselves out there day after day? It's not worth it. Get another line of work. <laughs> I mean, the world can live without swordfish. Maybe, <laughs> but though they know the sea is dangerous and the storms are terrifying, they never seem to find it sufficient reason to stay ashore. They are not willing to be turned back because the clouds look dark. I look at this and I think, wow, what courage in the face of adversity. What courage, what boldness. I mean, 
I asked myself, what does it take to have this conquering kind of indomitable spirit? I mean, that's really what we want to know. And especially as believers walking this life of faith, walking this life with God. Because what we know to be true is whether you are a believer, whether you're a seeker, whether you're far away from God, wherever you are on that scale, what we know to be true, I mean, if we've lived any time on planet Earth at all, we know that storms are going to come. Isn't that true? Sometimes big ones. James in the, in the Bible told us that storms aren't really optional. They're, they're pretty much inevitable. I mean, we know that life can get really tough really fast. Circumstances are going to crowd us at some times. People are going to make it worse sometimes. Uh, life is going to ask more of us than we have to give sometimes. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. <laughs> it seems no one's exempt and, and isn't it interesting that our natural response tells us that the way forward in the Christian life is to avoid pain, <laughs> to avoid, avoid trials, avoid that kind of stuff, so that undistracted, we can get down to the business of growing in Christ, right? <laughs> but I have come to learn over a lot of years that our tears can be God's tools, <laughs> the, the New Testament tells us again and again that the storms of life, the trials, the, the sometimes even tragedies, that, that sometimes those can be a means, not, not an obstacle to deepening in maturity. As I've heard my dad say, deep wounds deepen us. <laughs> a lot of truth in that. I mean, what feels like shaky ground Everything's shaking. I sometimes think God's saying, you're in a training ground. You think this is shaky ground, you're in training ground. Hebrews 12 talks about being trained by the difficult things that happen in life, and it says, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So which implies a choice, doesn't it? My mom would say, you can get bitter or you can get better. She would say, when life kicks you, let it kick you forward. I have so many sayings that I <laughs> that are coming out right now. Sayings of my parents that are, you know, take heart parents if you think your children aren't listening. But how do we be trained by it? That's really what we want to know. How do we develop that kind of overcoming kind of spirit even in the 40-foot waves of life? Well, we learn so much about weathering storms when we look at the life of Nehemiah. We find his story in, where else? The book of Nehemiah. And we could say that Nehemiah had the spirit of an overcomer. He faced a huge God-given task and a storm of opposition. Now, just to give you a little overview, 
Nehemiah heard about the miserable condition, the miserable state of Jerusalem. The, the city was in ruins, the wall was devastated, the gates were burned in, by fire. Back in 587 BC, the Babylonians had invaded Judah and they totally destroyed the city. And so they took, a, they took many Israelites with them as captives and, and resettled them in Babylon. Well, eventually, the exiled Jews began returning to Jerusalem uh, from their exile, but the walls of the city were completely devastated, which meant that they were completely vulnerable to, to enemy attacks. And so, I mean, no walls equals no security, which equals no peace. And so Nehemiah, who had sensed this God-given mission and, 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 and the affirmation of the king where he served and supplying with, tool, with tools and wood and, and all of that, he met with the leaders in Jerusalem and he said, you see the bad condition we are in how Jerusalem lies in ruins. And then he told them how God's gracious hand was upon him for good. I love that sentence. God's gracious hand was upon me, he said. And then he said, come, let us rise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But it wasn't long, and it never is, before opposition arose. It says, when people, meaning enemies, began to hear of the rebuilding effort, they ridiculed Nehemiah and the Jews. Three men in particular who were enemies called Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They began to mock them. They, 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 it says, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? <laughs> in other words, who do you guys think you are trying to do this? I mean, like, as if you could. I mean, I wrote down three words next to that verse, demeaning, critical, negative. And the more they built, the angrier the enemies got. It, it went from being critical and demeaning to now anger. It, it's taken another step. And when Sanballat heard the building of the city walls are going forward, it said he was angry and in a great rage. And he ridiculed the Jews. He said <clears throat> in chapter 4, verse 2, what are these feeble Jews doing? <laughs> I mean, interpret that. Who do these wimps think they are? <laughs> Will they restore things by themselves? He said, Will they finish up in a day? Will they bring these stones back to life, seeing as how this wall has been so damaged? basically saying, this mess is too big for you to ever rebuild. I mean, what do you mean you're going to start over? That's ridiculous. And then Tobiah joins in, and he says, what are they building? What? If even a fox climbed up on it, he would break the wall. Ha, 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 ha. You can just hear the tone. They're just having a good time with us, right? But have you ever heard this while building your wall? I mean, maybe it's not a, a wall around a city. Maybe it's a future. Maybe you're building a life in God. Maybe you're building a relationship. Maybe what you're building, you know, has eternal values into your family. Maybe the work that you're doing is, is an eternal work that's got God's fingerprint all over it. But whatever it is, whenever we endeavor to arise and build a good work of God, there are always going to be enemies. There's going to be opposition. There are going to be challenges. Several years ago, I had sensed God's call in my life to full-time ministry, 
And over time and a lot of prayer, and I received confirmation that it was time to start building that wall. And so at, at what seemed like the right time, I put in my resignation notice uh, with the Postal Service where I had been a postmaster, where I'd been employed for 21 years uh, for the Postal Service. And so when word got out that I was quitting my job, um, man, uh, <laughs> quitting my job to pursue education for ministry, <laughs> I heard a lot of comments. And I know that they all met well, but my boss, my peers, my coworkers, my employees, they, they, they would ask things like, what are you doing? <laughs> You've got 21 years under your belt. You're going to lose your retirement? They'd say stuff like, people don't walk away from a job like this. Well, you really should take more time to think about it. Don't do anything foolish. Don't do something you'll regret later. <laughs> I heard the voices sounding in my head at night. <laughs> You've heard the voices. We, we've all had voices, right, in our life? I mean, voices of negativity, voices that even insults that, that can send us reeling backwards, um, voices that undermine your confidence, voices that chip away at your faith. <laughs> Voices that say you're not capable enough, you're not talented enough, um, you're not enough. <laughs> Voices that say what you're doing is foolish. What makes you think your life could ever be different, right? I mean, the enemy loves to hurl the same accusations at you as Nehemiah's hurled at him, right? He wants you to focus on the rubble around you. He wants you to focus on the storm that's surrounding you. He wants you to focus on what you're not. And you know what Nehemiah did when faced with a storm of opposition? In chapter 4, verse 4, Nehemiah prayed. He pressed into God. He leaned hard on God. He said, hear us, O God, for we are despised. Turn their taunts upon their own heads. In other words, he was saying, God, you deal with them. <laughs> I'm doing your work. I'm doing this work. Uh, you have to deal with them. I'm doing your will. I could get so distracted by, by what's shaken up around me, but you told me to build this wall, and I am building it. You are going to have to deal with my enemies. He did not go after his enemies himself. And that, to me, is a significant thing to, to, to remember when we face opposition. He did not take on his enemies. He stayed focused on what he knew to do. And that's what Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, did in 2 Chronicles 20:12. He said an army was coming against Israel. There was like five armies. Jehoshaphat prayed, Oh, our God. We have no power to face this vast enemy that's coming against us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. See, Nehemiah understood, just as Jehoshaphat did, the, the battle, the battle that, that the worship team sang about this morning, the battle belongs to God. The battle belongs to God. So they continued. Verse 6, so we built the wall and all was joined together to half its height. For the people had a heart and mind to work. 
Now, clearly, they were determined to make this happen, right? So not only did the walls go up, the breaches were, were closed, the cracks were sealed, and this made Nehemiah's enemies even more furious. And so to the point where now they're plotting to attack the city. It says, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But you know what? Nehemiah never stopped praying. In verse 9, it says, But because of them, we made our prayer to our God, and we set a watch against them day and night. I mean, the threats and intimidation and taunts never stopped coming. Nehemiah and the people had to deal with that the the whole time. Uh, It it says, even the Jews who lived near them came to, to them and told them 10 times over, wherever you turn, they're going to attack us. I mean, talk about being in a pressure cooker. But they stayed focused. And not only did Nehemiah pray, but this is, I, I think, important to note. He chose courage. He chose courage. Joyce Meyer used to say, you know, God gave us 365 verses saying, fear not in the Bible, because we needed to hear, to hear them at least once a day. <laughs> But she says, sometimes courage will not just dissipate, or fears will not dissipate. Sometimes we have to do it afraid. Do the thing afraid. That's choosing courage. You go forward even if you're afraid. So, with a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other, they continued on this wall a tool in one hand, and a weapon on the other. They continued the work. Chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was completed in a remarkable, by any standard, 52 days. (laughs) When all our enemies heard about this, and they heard about it, They all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. No one could miss it. It had God's stamp all over it. The Apostle Paul said this, if God is for us, who can be against us? (laughs) One of my favorite Psalms in the Bible is Psalm 18. It says, he shot his arrows and scattered the enemy. He reached down from on high and he took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. And then he says, with your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. (laughs) So let me ask you, what broken wall lies in shambles around you? Family, relationship, finances, there's, there's so many things. What daunting challenge lies before you? I mean, sometimes we can get so overwhelmed because the odds seem against us. But here is what we know to be true. We are never too big a mess for God to redeem. And there is nothing beyond his ability to restore. There is nothing too difficult for him. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession. I mean, that's really literally 
a victory parade. He's leading us in this victory parade. It says, in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So let me ask you, what would happen if every single time we felt afraid or intimidated, we prayed? What would happen if every time we were offended or if every time someone hurt our feelings, we prayed? What would happen if we prayed immediately every time some kind of judgment or criticism came against us? Would our lives be different? I mean, wouldn't you and I be better able to withstand the storms of life? Of course we would. Psalm 4610 has been kind of a life-changing verse for me. And I, I want to offer a challenge this week to you. Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So for one day, 24 hours, <laughs> live with those words. Let them resonate in your heart throughout the day. Let your mind constantly return to them. Today as best I can, I am going to be still. I'm not going to defend myself or have to get the last word or have to have my own way or make sure people think of me what I want them to think of me. Today before I make decisions, I'm going to pause. I'm going to listen for God's voice. Today I'm not going to be tossed around by anxiety uh, or anger. I will take these feelings to God and I will ask him, God, how do I respond to this? You see, be still and know he is God. The stillness comes in the knowing. The, the stillness comes in knowing him and, and walking with him and, and abiding in him. And that's the secret to Nehemiah's courage. In, ch in chapter 4.14, he said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and, in other words, imprint him on your mind. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Imprint him on your mind. And then he says, and fight for your, your brothers, your sisters, your family, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. Second Timothy, it says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So the truth is, God wants to fuel us with the courage and strength and an overcomer spirit. And the way I look at it, life's too short to be intimidated. It just is. I mean, I want to one day stand before God and, and know that I've completed the work that he's given me to do. I know you do too. I want to one day know that his best is being worked out in and through my life in such a way that people can't miss it, in such a way that my family can't miss it, in such a way that my coworkers can't miss it. It will be so evident that there is something of God at work in us because we will fight enemies. There will be storms, but it's worth it to contend for what's important. We can, just like Nehemiah, stand through the storms. The Apostle Paul put it this way, and we're going to close with this passage from Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, in light of all of this, put on the whole armor of God 
so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, stay alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. It begins with prayer. And we will see the gracious hand of God at work in us as never before. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that we see in Nehemiah. We thank you that you desire to give us that spirit of an overcomer, that you will give us the strength in the moments we need it. You will give us the peace that comes, that surpasses all understanding, that as we be still and know, Lord, we will experience a peace like no other. Be still and know you are God. You are Lord over the storms, and you are our, our God who loves us with an unending love. So, God, thank you. Thank you for helping us, for strengthening us, for encouraging our hearts, for being with us in everything that we face. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Before we sing this last song, I do have one uh, quick announcement. Um, and I was supposed to do this at the beginning, but I forgot. But on Sunday, September 18th at 1.30 in the afternoon, we're going to have our first inaugural men's golf tournament. So there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. See Jason if you have any questions. Uh, but uh, that sounds like a great time. I cannot golf. so But uh, that will be a lot of fun. So se Sunday, September 18th at 1.30 in the afternoon. I hope you've had a great week, and I hope you've taken to heart what God has given Pastor Nancy. So as we sing this song, if our altars are open, if you have something you'd still like to bring before him, Pastor Nancy will be out in the foyer if you'd like to discuss something with her uh, regarding this morning. If you just like some prayer, uh, see anybody. But uh, let's sing this together. Christ in me and where you 
is good there it is look at that just what a good word what a great week it's been uh here in a couple weeks they're gonna let me up here again and, and i'll uh, i'll talk more about the philly trip to y'all um but god is good god is good let's pray lord god i just thank you so much for who you are Thank you for your love and your faithfulness and your grace towards us. Lord, we thank you that you give us to the strength to stand in the midst of life's storms and to press on and to persevere, Lord. God, I just pray that your presence and your spirit be upon each and every person here, each family, each household. May your grace go with them this week so that they would be lights to those around them and encouragement. And Lord, as we go out into this day, may we take your presence with us and we pray these things in your name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Have a great week, everybody.
righteousness, O oh God. Have 